the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM fourteen twenty. The answer on this Monday, the eleventh morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, twenty nineteen. Really appreciate Congressman Jim Jordan's perspective on uh, on a number of matters. One thing we did not talk about, unfortunately, however, was the ongoing border crisis. We know that the President of the United States has declared an emergency. We know that he is going to try to find funding, whatever way he can, to build the border wall. We also know that his budget is uh, being leaked, at least portions of it. He's requesting some $750 billion for the military and about $8.5 billion for the border wall. He's not going to get it. We all know that. So where do we go from here with respect to the security of our southern border? I was hosting the Hugh Hewitt program this morning, and I had an opportunity to talk to former ICE director Tom Holm. And I've had, I've had him live on this program before as well. Uh, but I had him on Hugh's program this morning, and we talked about legal immigration, illegal immigration, border walls, and is the president losing some allies when it comes to his immigration policies? All of those were part of the discussion with Tom Holman that I think would be very beneficial for you right now. I want to welcome to the program uh, a man I enjoy talking to every time I get the opportunity. Tom Holman is the former acting director of ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, joining us now on the Hugh Hewitt program. Uh, Mr. Holman, good to have you back, sir. How are you? Doing fine. How are you doing? Right. I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I'm, I'm especially uh, feeling good about uh, the fact that the president is coming aggressively with his new budget, seeking uh, a total of $8.6 billion in new border wall funding from Congress. This, as we, uh, of course, play out the fight over the uh, national emergency declaration. Mr. Holman, what do you think the best course is to try to get the funding so that we can build these barriers that so many of the rank-and-file Border Patrol agents down there tell us we absolutely have to have? I think we need to educate American people, and I think we're doing that. I think... Look, if, all you got to do is see the video that's going on the southwest border. I mean, there's going to be over a million. If, they, if, if the numbers continue as they are, in my estimation, they're going to increase. Um, there's going to be a million illegal entries in the United States on the southern border. And people say, well, you know, back in 2000, late 90s, 2000s, there's a But people need to understand, back then, there was 95% Mexican nationals. When I was in the Border Patrol then, uh, I dressed as the same Mexican national three times in one shift. So, yeah, there may have been a million entries, but a lot of them were double and triple entries, and plus 95% of them were turned around within an hour and sent back to Mexico, which is why we read some multiple times. The difference is this is going to come across now. They're not leaving. You know, they're not from Mexico. They're from Central America. They're claiming political asylum. No, my four years, five years in Borjo, I've never had one alien claim asylum. But this is a new trend, right? They found the loopholes. They claim asylum. They're in the country for years. They have U.S. citizen children. Then when they're finally six or seven years of trying to get a final order removal, they're gone. And that's why we have 600,000 fugitives as I'm speaking to you tonight. So the different dynamic, it is a national security issue. It's a, it's a humanitarian issue. And we got to keep educating American people. I think the Democrats are being pushed in the corner now because they, the, the story's out there. The videos are out there. So they, 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 can, they can still deny it. 
But we got to count on people that listen to your show, people that listen to me on Fox News, that they put pressure on Congress to you know, do something about this surge. Yeah, that's the that's the problem, though. You're right. They have the video to back us up, but we have the video rather rather to back us up. But they do continue to deny. They continue to say it's a manufactured crisis. Let, let me ask you this, because you uh, you have your but, finger but on you the know, pulse they, of everything. They, 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 Go ahead. They really, they, they really deny it. Not because, look, they're not stupid. They know there's an issue on the border. This is all about resisting Donald Trump. The last thing they want is this president to be successful on his number one promise to secure that southern border. That would be devastating to them in 2020. So this is about hate and resistance to Trump. This isn't about facts. This isn't about national security. This is about them putting their hatred of this president over their responsibility to secure the border. Absolutely. I completely agree. It's about hating the president and, of course, more importantly, stopping the president because uh, this is this was a massive uh, promise that he made. It was perhaps the, the linchpin of his candidacy that got him the presidency was building that border wall and controlling illegal immigration. They can't give him that win or else they can't stop him in 2020. So I agree with you 100 percent. But let me ask you about what's going on in practical terms now. We keep uh, monitoring these caravans as they leave, uh, you know, Guatemala or, or wherever it is that's originating, working their way through. And we watch them all the way up until they get to the border and then we lose interest and there's no more news coverage of it and what we're finding out mr holman and you can confirm or 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 dispute this is that most of these asylum seekers when they arrive here at our border are being allowed to come in and make their claims and then are being uh released into uh you know once the the detention limit is reached being released into the united states in order to come back for their hearings later on are these people getting in or are they not no they're they're getting in yeah And, and the problem is because of loopholes in the law, you know, I when I was ICE director, I was ICE director for a year and a half. I was up on the hill numerous times trying to get them to close the loopholes. There's several loopholes that need to be closed. First, are the asylum levels. You know, the asylum bar is so low, and it's it's low on purpose. They don't want to, you know, act, you know they want to be sure if they want to deny somebody asylum, they're not going to send them back to the country to be killed or persecuted. So the, the statutory bar is low. But 92 percent of Central Americans that claim asylum at the border never get relief from the U.S. government because once again, it's not the judge. They don't qualify. Escaping poverty is not is not a reason for asylum. You can only you only get asylum if you're escaping fear and persecution because your race, religion, your ethnicity, or, or your political beliefs, or you're part of a certain social group. You know, poverty, violence, you know, domestic violence don't qualify for asylum. So that's why 92 percent lose your case. But by that time, you're already here, and mm-hmm. and the most of our family units. And there's a, there's another loophole, not just asylum loophole. There's another loophole called the Forest Settlement Agreement, where we can't detain a family unit in a residential center for more than 20 days. Right now, it's taking 45 to 60 days to see a judge. And reason, and, and so, and they know that. So once they come across the border, they're going to be detained for a short time to make sure they're, you know, they're, they're physical, there's no diseases, they get ankle bracing, they get released. They know that, and that's why the numbers keep going up. And I'll use this for a clear example. Back in 2014, when this family search first started, I opened up uh, a family residential center in Artesia. I opened up a big center, and we started detaining these families. In 90% of them lost their cases, we filled several planes up with these people and sent them south. Guess what happened? The illegal crossings on the border plummeted because we showed there's a consequence to deterrence and we're in national laws. It wasn't until the Florida Settlement Agreement came out of the Ninth Circuit saying, well, you can only detain in 20 days. And I said in my affidavit during that litigation, if, if you limit us to 20 days, that's not time enough to see a judge. This is going to cause a surge of illegal entry of family units. And they set out the fear monger. Well, guess who was right? Because they know they're going to be released, they keep coming. If there's no consequence and no deterrence or illegal activity, why would they stop? 
We are t- that's why I love having you on, because you're exactly right. We're talking to Tom Homan, the former acting director of ICE. He is retired now. Uh, I, I want to ask you, you know, your, your expertise, of course, is on stopping Ill- Ill- illegal immigration and, of course, as ICE, stopping the flow of drugs and so on and so forth. But I want to ask you about the president's policy now on legal immigration. As we are hearing about the record numbers, you know, we're supposed to have more people crossing the border this year based on the pace than did 12 years or, or than we have, I should say, in 12 years. While that's going on, the president is making announcements that he wants more legal immigration. He wants to, and this is about 12 to 18 months after saying, I want to cut legal immigration in half so that more Americans have opportunities for these very important jobs. He is now reversing course and saying, I want more legal immigrants coming at the same time that the illegals are crossing at such record numbers. What is the president's strategy here, or can you understand that at all? Well, I think what they're looking at, and, and I don't disagree with what he's saying, but we got to make sure that there's a need. So what he's talking about is is increasing the number of, uh, of, of uh, aliens coming to this country, or, or my, I'll, call, I'll call migrants coming to this country to do, you know, different types of high tech jobs if they're needed. So what I'll say is, if there's you know, if there's people from India, India that are good at, you know, that a lot of Indian corporations are, are you know do the IT and, uh, and computer tech work. If there's a need for that, then they need to, these companies here in the United States need to clearly establish there's not a U.S. worker or an American worker or U.S. resident to do those jobs. So we need to step up our enforcement through the Department of Labor. So let's say let's say Apple, they need 10,000 computer tests, and they can't find the United States. They need to prove to the Department of Labor that they have tried to hire Americans or illegal residents in this country that had that skill, and they're unable to hire as many as they need. With the unemployment rate so low, I can understand there may be a need for high-tech workers, but we only should do that if it's clear and proven there's not a U.S. citizen or legal resident able to take that job. So I think if they, they, if they raise the standards of that, proving you have to prove there's a need for that, and to bring a legal uh, immigrant in this country to do that job, I have no problem with that as long as there's a need and there's no U.S. citizens going to have to train this guy, then they, get, then they leave and this, and this person works for half the, half the money. So there needs to be stronger standards before we make this happen. I made that known through my contacts. Yeah, I, I think there has to be as well. Uh, and I'm glad you have those contacts because he needs people in his corner who are advising him the right way. In fact, let me ask you about that because, too, you know, you, you, you're on Fox News on a regular basis uh, as a contributor and more. So you hear uh, people like Ann Coulter. You hear people like Lou Dobbs. Now, these are two of the president's strongest supporters through the years. Ann Coulter even wrote a book about In Trump We Trust. Uh, and, uh, and Lou Dobbs has been uh, one of his strongest supporters. But last week, Lou Dobbs said the White House has lost its way with this policy on legal immigration. And uh, Ann Coulter is now in a full-on war with the president, whom he called a wacky nut job now. Can the president afford to be making enemies of his best supporters on this issue? I hate to see, look, I, I do Lou Dobbs' show a lot. I talk to Lou Dobbs a lot. He's, uh, he's a great American patriot. And, yes, he is. And uh, I really respect him. Uh, Ann Coulter, I, you know, I respect Ann Coulter. But the, the issue is they don't know what I know sometimes. You know, I, I do talk to the president occasionally. We talk on the phone a lot. And... Uh, if, for instance, this last when you know when the government got shut down to reopen the government, mm-hmm. uh, when he reopened the government, a lot of people said, "Well, Nancy Pelosi lost." I mean, I mean, Nancy Pelosi won this argument. Trump lost, and I was asked about that. And I said, "Look, she had, you know she had maybe she wanted to set it down. So this game's long, long, long from being over. 
the issue was, and, and once you realize what the underlying issue was, first of all, what I thought under this last bill that I thought was terrible and the president should sign it was that he should ask for a continuing resolution for seven to ten days to fix some of the language in the bill, especially about you know, the ice beds and about parents right. and sponsors, UACs being, you know, being, they can't be targeted or arrested. And I wanted that language changed. However, once I talked to my contacts, I understood that the CR was not possible because the CR has to stop the start in the house. The house wasn't going to do it. So they put the president in the corner. Either you sign this bill that has some flaws in it, or you shut the government down again. So I knew that the president that week was thinking, okay, do, I, do I shut the government down again, or do I sign a bill that has some problems in it and fix those problems through executive action and declaring a state of emergency? So if you take those two options, I think he took the less of two evils and did what he had to do. And look, for these people that want to, you know, the president has book of war yet. president hasn't fulfilled all his promises yet. we got to remember, there's a Congress that's been resisting this president day one. Even some Republicans in the Congress hasn't supported this president. I think the Republicans would have shown this president and his ideas and plans. They would have got their butts kicked in November. So, I, so, so we can't keep blaming the president because, you know, he, he's doing everything he can. I'm saying this. I worked for six presidents starting with Ronald Reagan. This president has walked the walk, even though he's been resisted every step he's, he's taken. He's done more in the southern, southern border than any president I ever worked for. I respect them all. If, can you imagine if he had the full support of the Republicans in the Congress and, and people actually looked at what crisis was going on the border, he, he would be even more successful. But he's already accomplished more than two years than most presidents have done in four, even eight years. The no problem question. is the resistance. Yeah, no question. Mr. Oman, last thing before you go. You know, it's one thing, what, what a lot of people, because of the partisanship in the country right now, they say, oh, listen to Democrats, listen to Republicans. Everybody has their opinion on it. Why don't we just stop listening to people in D.C. and start asking the people down there on the, you used to be a Border Patrol agent. Ask the leadership or the rank and file down there. I don't care what their politics are, but what will make your job easier? What will be more effective in stopping these illegal crossings? A barrier or no barrier and just quote-unquote technology. Shouldn't we listen to them? You know, that's, that's a great question. Bingo. I mean, look, the president didn't come up with a border wall. He didn't just lay in bed and decide to run for president and come up with a border wall theory. He learned that from the men and women in the front line. So he, he listens to the front line people. The problem is, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer says walls are immoral, this wall doesn't effective. They've <laughs> never, ever been to the southern border to talk to the experts on the line. That is such an important point. I love talking to Tom, and he is just so matter-of-fact, so perfectly suited for this role of really telling the truth about what's going on at the border. He's been on the border as a patrol agent, and, of course, he has been uh, uh, acting director of ICE as well in a 30-plus-year career serving the United States of America. So that's Tom Holman. If you want to react to that, we'll take your calls, 216-901-0945, as we continue on The Authority. Four. Progressive Democrats. Please be aware, you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Great conversations. The last two segments, Congressman Jim Jordan joined us live. I just gave you Tom Holman, former ICE director, uh, from my uh, chat with him earlier this morning on the Hugh Hewitt program. So if you want to react to either one of those, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Don't forget, you can tweet to me or Facebook comment to me on the uh, news of the day at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word. Do not include any spaces nor any um, underscores, France Radio. Jim is in West Park waiting patiently to talk on the radio. He's here now. Hi, Jim, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to comment about Omar's comments. Yes. 
Uh, do you remember not too long ago, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. Israel, Israeli Mossad found documents in a warehouse that led to the uh, president canceling the Iran deal. You remember yes, that? Yes, well, that, w- that was in part what led to it, but yes, okay. sir, I do. Now, um, she's talking about the Palestinians. Israel gave a whole bunch of land to the Palestinians, sessions and stuff, with homes, sewers, electric lines, water lines, and they bulldozed them all down and said, we're not going to live in these houses that the swine have lived in. And then the comment with the kids voting, yeah. Nazi Germany did the same thing in World War II. <clears throat> And in the comment about free schools, we already got free schools. We already got too many of them. Well, you know what they mean. Yeah, you know know what they mean, though, Jim. They're talking about both before and after what we already have. They're talking about free preschool, meaning free, essentially, daycare, which is crucial, by the way. Because there, there is also a historical precedent here, um, uh, you know, in which kids are taken essentially away from their parents. Their mothers were encouraged to work, uh, and 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 the kids are then raised, you know, in a daycare slash preschool setting by government-run uh, preschools. You know, because if they're being paid for by the government, the government's going to staff them, and the government is going to then teach them slash indoctrinate them. And then the same thing on the other side of the high school, of course, which is free college which is something that appeals to everybody because it's so doggone expensive. So, yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're trying for all of that. And, and if we have if we have free schools, then they can even get more indoctrination. Right? Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly. That's my point. That's exactly. You're correct. If, if the schools are free, which they could never be, by the way, the only way they would be free is if they were staffed by federal employees, government employees. And then the government employee, in other words, um, educators, professors, and people who have been doing this for years and years and years would be cast aside because they're not going to do it for free or for the uh, middling wages that the government would pay when the government runs anything, of course. Uh, the people don't make the money. The, um, uh, the, the power brokers do. But at any rate, yes, um, there would be indoctrin- they would become even more indoctrination centers than they are right now. Now, here's the crazy part about that. We don't even have free college or free preschool yet and yet they are managing to get into the minds and pollute the minds of our young people so much so and i'll share the details of this story with you in a moment that more millennials and generation z are for socialist the socialist model than ever before in fact it's a coin flip it's 50 50 Half of millennials and Generation Z are now pro-socialist country. That should terrify you. If it doesn't, we'll talk about why right after this on AM 1420. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob Frantz Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. 1034, as we continue on AM 1420, the answer. So, um, yeah, the the numbers are real. Um, What I've got here uh, is from Axios. I spoke with Mike Allen this morning, the the, uh, co-founder of Axios, who is also the founder of of, uh, Politico, by the way. But I spoke with Mike Allen about this, an exclusive poll that they did with Harris Polling. Um, asking young Americans 
how they feel about various socialist statements and about how they feel about socialist countries as a whole. Come to find out, the new generation has a more positive view of the word socialism than previous generations have. And along with millennials, they are more likely to embrace socialist policies and principles than past generations. And that's troubling. Here is the percent of millennials and Generation Z. They combine, now I'm going to talk about that in a moment, the fact that they combine millennials and Generation Z in a moment here. But this is, uh, this is what millennials and Generation Z have said uh, in this poll about these statements. The statement, government should provide universal health care. Do you agree with that statement or not? 73% of millennials in Generation Z said, yes, government should provide universal health care. I mean, that should end the discussion right there. By the way, the idea that the government should run your health care. I've, I've got an appointment this uh, Friday. I've got a doctor's appointment. Nothing big. Relatively routine. And I got a note from uh, Cleveland Clinic telling me you got to do a blood lab before that, too. So I got to take care of that. I made that appointment about the blink of an eye. If I was a veteran trying to use the VA, for the most part, anywhere in America, I would get that appointment in six months. That is what government does to health care. If I could get an appointment at all, okay, and as far as how much it would be paid, that would be paid for, how much of that uh, appointment and, and what the coverage would be, that is also what care I would be entitled to. That would also be up to the government. Do you want a panel of government bureaucrats deciding what treatment you get when you're sick? What preventative treatment you need based on your age? Do you want that? I wouldn't trust the federal government to put a Band-Aid on my arm. I wouldn't trust them. 73% of millennials and Gen Z want the government to run health care. Government should provide tuition-free college. 67% say yay to that. Up from 56.2 in their last survey. That, of course, is, I think, a, kind of a byproduct of of uh, Bernie Sanders, who's been screaming that since he ran for president in 2016, and AOC and the rest of the Green New Deal crowd that continue to scream it right now. Tuition-free college. It is, by the way, kind of hard to say I don't want, right? If you're, if you're a, a millennial, you know, if you're in your early 20s, or if you're a Gen Zer, if you're a teenager... You know, you're you're probably like heck yeah, because a when I when you have your own kids, you don't want to have to pay for college if you don't have to, and b if you're rising up toward college, you don't want to have to pay for college. Free college, I'm in. Who's going to say no to that? How about supporting abolishing ICE? Forty three percent, forty three percent of millennials in Generation Z say they support abolishing immigration and customs enforcement. That's up from twenty nine point seven percent. Now forty three point one. Again, why? Because of the mainstream media and their platform that they continue to give, um, uh, the AOCs and the Bernies and the others of the world who think that ICE is somehow criminal, that ICE is the problem, that ICE uh, violates human rights and civil rights. ICE actually 
not only does it cut down illegal immigration as a whole, it specifically singles out drug rings, human trafficking rings, stops all kinds of very serious violent crimes. ICE is law enforcement, in other words. Nobody really frames it that way. Immigration and Customs Enforcement is a law enforcement agency, just like the FBI. They stop crimes. They protect innocent people from criminals. And yet you have this this movement to abolish ICE, to defund ICE, and then to abolish it altogether. Do you remember what Alexandria Kelly Bundio-Cortez said about ICE last week when the uh, uh, that amendment was slipped in, the, the uh, new gun bill the Democrats were trying to pass? Do you remember this? I think it must be abolished. And... I got, um, I got a lot of heat recently in the party because I was really furious when, um, when this Republican amendment was able to kind of slip through on a gun safety bill that gave more power to ICE. It allowed, um, it allowed gun vendors to, to report information about undocumented people to ICE. That's a lie. You disgusting demon rat. It did not expand ICE's power at all. ICE didn't change one bit from that amendment. The only thing it did was is it, it allowed law enforcement to become aware of laws being broken. Gasp. What a horrible thing that is, right, Kelly? What a terrible idea. In case no one told you in your congressional inauguration, look that one up, it is illegal for illegal aliens in the United States to have guns. No illegal immigrant in the United States is allowed to possess a firearm. It's just that simple. All this amendment did was allow gun vendors to say a non-citizen tried, an illegal alien tried to buy a gun. That doesn't expand ICE's power. It simply enforces existing American law. But this bimbo doesn't want you to know the truth. Safety bill that gave more power to ICE. It allowed allowed gun vendors to, to report information about undocumented people to ICE. First of all, did you hear that? Undocumented people. Undocumented people. Illegal aliens. Say it with me, Kelly. Illegal aliens. And it's not just gave them permission to report to ICE on undocumented people. No, on undocumented people trying to arm themselves, which is a criminal, a criminal act. And I was furious about it, and I got a lot of heat for being furious about it, because, um, you know, whatever reason. The reason is you're an idiot. The reason is you just can't seem to process simple facts about American law and American law enforcement. That's the reason you got heat, honey. And I've had just about, anyway, let me get back to to the survey. The last one I want to share with you is this statement. How do you feel, millennials and Gen Z, about this statement? I would prefer living in a socialist country. 49.6% of Gen Z and millennials said, yes, they agree with that. 
Now, by my math, 49.6% is pretty close to 50.4%, which would be the other side. 50.4 to 49.6. In other words, half. Half of the social, or the uh, millennials and Gen Z in this country right now would prefer living in a socialist country. And they're answering this, by the way, at a time in which a socialist country is literally in the dark. Literally in the dark. Meaning, they have no power in Venezuela. They've been in the dark for four days. There's no internet, there's no running water, there's no electricity. Food is spoiling. Looting is taking, looters have taken over the streets. That's a socialist nation for you. And yet the propaganda surrounding socialism, free this, free that, wealth, equity, equity, redistribution, don't have to work if you don't want to. All of these things are, are leading young people into saying, yay, that's for me. And that's without government-run preschools and colleges. Technically, colleges are government-run because most of them are public colleges and thus financed by taxpayers. And you do understand what their indoctrination centers are, but imagine it on steroids if it ever became free and the government got to pick the professors. All right, let me get a couple of phone calls in here. Uh, We'll talk to who's been sitting there. Um, looks like Maury has been the longest. Maury in Beechwood, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Maury, good morning. Maury, are you there? Having a hard time hearing Maury. Can you punch? There he is. Hold on a second, Maury. I'm having a hard time uh, making sure I have you here. Uh, Maury, go ahead. Hi. First of all, I want to uh, just let you know you did a great job filling in for you here um, last few days. Um, I appreciate your conversation with Tom Holman. I've, I've watched him several times. I'm really impressed. Here's a guy who served under five uh, presidents before, direct, former director of Vice. Here's a guy who really actually knows what he's talking about, yet he has the smarts to try, when he doesn't understand why a certain vote, why the president does certain things, he actually calls his contacts and just uh, bothers to actually get informed. Where, on the other hand, you have Ann Coulter, Who's got like he's got one issue person? That's all she cares about. And because the president decides not to follow what she thinks the right path is, she just badmouths him, just like some of the other uh, never Trumpers. Uh, here's a person who has never made a major decision in her life, and the president is dealing with not only the border but North Korea budget, never Trumpers. I mean, you name it. What do you think? Well, I think Ann Coulter is consistent. Um, you know, and, and what's really ironic is, again, that she wrote that book, as I mentioned uh, to, uh, to Director Holman. You know, she wrote the book in Trump We Trust, E Pluribus Awesome. Mm-hmm. So she really, really, you know, believed right. that he was going to do everything that he said he was going to do. And I think Director Holman is right, though. You know, look, there are a lot of things that the president might know and that Tom Holman himself might know that people like Ann Coulter and even his friend Lou Dobbs don't know about, um, you know, what options the president had. Uh, I agree with the director on that, uh, and I agree with the president that Ann Coulter is being a little bit inflexible in terms of her anger that the wall hasn't been built yet because it's not something one person can do. But I do disagree with the, the president and with uh, Director Holman on the, the issue of legal immigration. Because he wasn't just talking about high-level, um, uh, uh, degreed, specialized, skill-type jobs that he wanted to bring more 
illegal immigrant, or I'm sorry, legal immigrants into the United States for. He said in his State of the Union address, more than ever before, he wants record numbers of legal immigrants coming to the United States. And it was reported, Maury, I don't know if you know this, it was reported that that was off the cuff. That was not in his prepared State of the Union speech. And because it was off the cuff, some said you can dismiss it. Except that two days later, when asked about that, he doubled down and said, "No, I'm it. I want more legal immigrants in this country than I've ever been here before." Just that just doesn't jive. That just doesn't jive yeah. with, with of course, you know, the number record number of illegals that are coming. It is not America first. It is going to lead to, um, you know, a lot of Americans fighting and struggling to get jobs that they already had to compete with. With a heck of a lot more people they're going to compete with now, and I, I think Ann Coulter is right to be critical of that. Well, like a, a lot of other issues, just give him some time. I think he'll he'll change once he sees what that that involves. Well, he's got time. You're right, and I hope you're right too. I really do. I mean, you know, but my concern, though, Maury, and thanks for the call, my friend. I appreciate a great phone call. My concern, though, is that the president is in a phase right now where he's not listening to the Tom Homans of the world. He's not listening to some of his top advisors. Um, on his staff. Um, as a matter of fact, some of them are resigning for various reasons. That's not a bad thing. It's not like saying they're trying to get a, but they're resigning for various reasons and they're not being replaced. For example, his comms director is leaving to go and prepare to take over his 2020 reelection campaign, which is fine, but you got to replace him. And word is he's not replacing him because he's essentially going to serve as his own communications director. He'll decide what he says and when he says it, and he doesn't need a comms director for that. Um, thank goodness Sarah Huckabee Sanders is still there, but even her role has been minimized. So I don't know. I hope you're right. I hope he knows what he's doing, or if he doesn't, he's got time, as you say, to rethink that. And I hope he does rethink that. Um, but I just don't know if he's listening to other people right now, if he's pretty much listening just to himself. Um, let's go to Todd, who's in East Cleveland next on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Todd, go ahead. Not in East Cleveland, on the east side of Cleveland. Oh, I'm sorry. Lucio! My screener said East Cleveland, East Side. And I should have known that. You're a regular caller, but it's been a while. I forgot I you talked from the East Side. It's been a while since. I usually, I usually say Ward 1, to be clear, but that never comes over to you. But I usually That's never say been Ward on my 1. screen ever. All I've ever yeah. got is East Side. So. I always <laughs> specify Ward 1 is on the East Side of Cleveland. But here, let me tell you right, something about this, you, these surveys, man. Okay? Yeah. I, I have kids that are just under the millennial. One's borderline and the, and the other four right under there, okay? Yep. And my kids can add and subtract. So we had a conversation about that and about socialism and universal health care. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you might get your calculators out and your pencils and paper. We're going to talk about this. After we added and subtracted everything with the um, tax did you make them do? Did, did you make them do new common core math to do their adding and subtracting? We did both. <laughs> <laughs> we did both, and that's the truth. This is, I'm oh, not God. making this up. After All that... Right. They don't. They don't. After they, after we went through that, they don't want to live in a total socialist country, and they don't think universal health care is such a good idea anymore. And I was like, if father they, if of they, the year. If they really you are father of the year, good for you. Good for really, you. Go ahead. If they really explain to these people prior to them asking them to fill out the survey how to define what it is that they're asking them about, a lot of them probably would not answer in the way that they do. Now I'm not. We have a very good health care system for the poor. Maybe we should raise the standard for what qualifies as poor. Some, not much, but some. In other words, and, the expansion of Medicaid, which was done by John Kasich in this state and several other governors, and uh, many are trying to make the standard nationwide. Yep, 
And if we would consider, if more people would consider what we already get in this country that are uh, prop that are products of socialist beliefs, such as the taxpayer-funded neighborhood public schools yep. and libraries and some county hospitals and welfare programs, which balances well with our predominantly capitalist system, mm-hmm. then they will probably be more inclined to answer the court question with some degree of correct education. Here's, here's the problem with what you're saying, though, Todd, in my opinion. Then it wouldn't be reality. Uh, in other words, what you're talking about is educating these people. And they don't get those educations like you gave to your kids. They get what CNN feeds them. They get what uh, the, the Washington Post feeds them and on down the line. And they are those messages are pro-socialist, pro-AOC, pro-Bernie, pro-this, pro-that. And so to, to really sit them down, like you said, and educate, sure, you get a, a different answer. But there are millions and millions of these people who aren't getting that sit-down education that you're talking about. So this is what do you think? And guess what? They're not they're not going to get that sit-down with you and your kids before they go vote. They're going to hear CNN and Chris Cuomo about Bernie Sanders and AOC and all of these glorious free things. That's all they're going to say or, excuse me, think about when they go vote. So that's why the survey as is is better. It's more important to know what they're hearing and what they're being exposed to rather than a, a, a very different sit-down-and-do-the-numbers uh, type of lesson that you're proposing. Because you're right. If they did get that lesson, they would have a very different view of socialism. But that's not the, the, the lesson they're getting on the large scale, Todd. And that, of course, is, um, is the problem. Thank you, my brother. Great call. 1052. Time out. Back after this. AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it's 10.55, final segment here. I'll get a couple of calls in here, but i got to tell you this. You do remember, right, when Hillary Clinton lost in 2016, some of the crucial states that she lost included what? Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Extremely important. Part of the blue wall, right? Extremely important states that Democrats expect to win. She lost Wisconsin. Why? Found out. She found out the hard way, of course, to win a state. You actually have to visit the state, campaign in it, show the people there that you care about them. You remember Hillary Clinton did not step foot in Wisconsin, right? Why am I bringing this up now? Because of the breaking news that just crossed the wire. The Democratic National Committee has chosen its host city for the 2020 National Convention. What city did they choose? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) We ain't going to make that mistake again. (laughs) We're going to make sure our nominee is in Wisconsin. We're holding the damn convention there. I don't care if it's Booker or Gabbard or Warren or Harris. They're going to be in Wisconsin. They might not want to be, but they're going to have to be. DNC Chairman Tom Perez chose uh, Milwaukee over Miami and Houston. It'll be the first time in more than 100 years the Democrats will gather in a Midwest city other than Chicago to nominate their presidential candidate. In other words, the pods, the party of death, 
and their coastal allegiances to New York or even down in the southern coast in Miami or in uh, California, they always, that's why we consider these flyover states because they just, you know, they, they don't bother to pay any attention to them. They just fly over them from one coast to the other. That's all they're about. Unless it's Chicago, Party of Democrat corruption, they don't campaign or host these things in the Midwest. Now they realize Hillary didn't get to Wisconsin at all. We're starting in Wisconsin. The convention will be in Milwaukee. I freaking love it. Jay in Illyria. Jay, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bob. Just uh, one thing. You you mentioned earlier the horrendous care with the VA. Yeah. Um, I can testify to that fact is true in California, where I lived for about 30 years. However, here in Cleveland, since 2010, I have been uh, affiliated and a patient at the VA at Wade Park. Right. And I have to tell you, if you can find better health care, you better take it. That's great news. And, I, and, and you know, I, I'm certain that there are locations uh, in uh, the country that, you know, where this does not apply. Uh, of course, I was speaking in the broader terms about all of the problems in the VA that we have known over the course of the last several years. Uh, there have been... Uh, uh, replacements at the helm. There have been all kinds of, uh, you know, scandals. People dying online, waiting, and not being able to get medications, not being able to get life-saving treatments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, of course, I'm speaking in a bigger picture, but I'm glad to know that in Cleveland, uh, those who choose to use the VA are getting uh, the care that they need. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Uh, that's all the time we've got. Great conversations with a lot of great people today. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow on the Bob France Authority. Have a great day. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.